Friends, as we continue our series through the book of Hebrews, I invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7. That's the full chapter that we'll be in. But since we're talking about Melchizedek, it's also helpful to go back to that story in Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 through 20. It's a very short couple of verses where this Melchizedek character is mentioned. And then there's a reference to him in Psalm 110, and then he's not spoken of again until in Hebrews 5 and 7. We hear a lot about this Melchizedek character. And what we have in mind with this is that things aren't always what they seem. And so first we'll look at Genesis 14, verses 17 through 20. And then we'll stop over to Hebrews chapter 7 as we continue to work our way through that book this summer. But before we read God's word together, we get our hearts ready. And every time we read scripture, we get our hearts ready with prayer. Because we're asking God to make good on his promise that we'll read in Hebrews, that the word of God is living and active. And we want to pray that it's living and active to us today. Not just ink on a page or pixel on screen, but God's active and living word for us today. So before we approach the throne of grace through God's word, let's prepare our hearts in prayer. Will you pray with me? God, may we remember that you give us what we need and the words that you wrote in scripture for us today. We trust that they are the exact words that we need to hear today. So we pray that you move within them, that you move within us, and that as we remember in baptism that we are one body, serving one Lord who is over and above and through and in all of us. May your word be in our hearts that you may achieve your purposes in our lives and for your kingdom here on this earth. So bless the reading of the scriptures today that they may be exactly what we need. And in your holy name we pray, amen. Starting with Genesis chapter 14, picking up at verse 17. After Abram returned from defeating Keterleomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And now turning to Hebrews chapter 7. And we'll begin just with the first 10 verses of Hebrews 7. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham, returning from the defeat of the kings, and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their fellow Israelites. 
even though they also are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Things aren't always what they seem. We're going to keep it simple today. There are three ways in which that is true. Things aren't always what they seem. That was true of Abram meeting Melchizedek. Things aren't always what they seem in that episode of Genesis. Things aren't always what they seem. Things aren't always what they seem when it comes to baptism. That there's more happening here than just what we see or notice. Things aren't always what they seem. And third, things aren't always what they seem for us. And what needs to be true of us as people of faith is that we know and accept that things are not always what they seem, and that in that we trust God, and that our faith is put in God for what God might be doing that we don't see, because things aren't always what they seem. Starting with the text, that episode of Melchizedek showing up after the defeat of Keterleomer and the kings allied with him seems so random in Genesis. Melchizedek is mentioned just in those couple verses, and then we move on from him. He's mentioned as a priest of God Most High in Psalm 110, but there's really not a lot to go off of in that short little episode of Melchizedek showing up with bread and wine, essentially serving a foretaste of communion to Abram long before Christ was born into this world in Bethlehem. And then Abram gives him a tenth of everything, a tenth of the plunder after this great victory that they had. Things aren't always what they seem. Because if you and I were just reading Genesis and we didn't have any lens of faith and we didn't have the book of Hebrews to explain it to us, I would have thought that Melchizedek was just some weird guy who came out of the woods. He's not mentioned as fighting with anybody else. After the victory happens, he just kind of shows up. But Abram knows that things are not always what they seem. And how does he know that? He knows that by faith, that there is more happening here than what meets the eye, that things are not always what they seem, and that this Melchizedek character who showed up out of the woods with bread and wine and left with a tenth of the plunder from this great victory, things aren't always what they seem, and there is more going on with Melchizedek. And how did Abram know this? How did he see it? It was by faith. It was by faith that he knew that he was in the presence of a priest of God most high. Long before there was the line of Levi for the priests, as mentioned in Hebrews, long before that, Abram knew that he was in the presence of one of God's holy priests. In the same way that Abram knew that divine encounters would happen throughout his life when three visitors visited them under the oaks of Mamre, Abram knew that things are not always what they seem and that God is up to more than what our eyes will show us 
if we do not see with faith. Abram knew that he was in the presence of a priest, a priest of God Most High, who he was willing and glad to honor with a tenth of all of the plunder. When I read about Melchizedek in Hebrews 7, I know that without faith, I would not have gotten that from Genesis 14. To think that he is a priest without lineage and that this is the forerunner of Christ as a priest who is not from the tribe of Levi, but from the tribe of Judah. Because things are not always what they seem. And for those who would say that Jesus couldn't be our priest because he's not a Levite, things aren't always what they seem. Because God is up to immeasurably more than what we can imagine. There's something special about this Melchizedek and we don't know all the details, all the thoughts that Abram had in that moment of bread and wine and the first tithe given. But what we do know is that Abram had faith to know that things aren't always what they seem and to trust in that space that God is up to more. Things aren't always what they seem in baptism. If it's just what they seem, then all that we did today was we sprinkled some water on some kids and we said some nice things about God. But people of faith, friends in Christ, we believe that things are not always what they seem and that there is more happening in baptism than just some nice words and just some water. Why? Because we are people of faith and things are not always what they seem and that we trust in the promises that we have made to these three families that God is already at work and that God has made promises to Ethan and to Case and to Greta and to their families that God is already at work in their lives because things are not always what they seem. God is up to immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine. And so in the promises of baptism, we celebrate that we can have faith to trust that there is more happening than what we see. That when we say that Eason and Greta and Case are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever, that he belongs to them, that his sign and seal is already on them, we trust that things aren't always what they seem, but that God is at work by his grace in the water and in the word. There is more happening already. And today is a holy day and a good day. But I think ahead, and as the Vandenboshes and Vandenboshes and Mahers know, there's also those really hard days, right? where we wonder, are our kids getting anything out of this? Are they growing in their faith? Do they understand anything about who Jesus is? Ah, oh, sometimes what a nightmare it is just to get everybody to church and try to show up with a smile. But God is doing more than what it seems. And so I pray that you three and all parents may be blessed with those moments where you realize that your children have been soaking up the stories of God like a sponge in water. Because for those moments where it seems like our attention is everywhere else, for those days that it seems like, why did we even drag us all to church? Why did we even send them to youth group? For those days that we trust that things aren't always what they seem, because God is at work. God is at work in ways that we cannot see, but we ask for a lens of faith so that we can trust that God is at work in the lives of Greta and Eason and Case. And that... God is at work in all of our lives, that we have been baptized into Christ Jesus' name, that we are marked as his own, and that God is at work in our lives.
I'm so glad that we had three baptisms today, in part because it's a beautiful thing to celebrate, and in part because we got to hear three times over those words, and that these words are true for all of us, and we'll say them one more time today. It was for you, for you, that Jesus Christ came into the world. It was for you that he lived, for you that he died, for you that he conquered death. And all of this he did for you before you knew anything of it. Because we love, because Christ first loved us. Things are not always what they seem, because God is up to way more than what we can see if we do not have a lens of faith. And so the third way in which it is simply true, things are not always what they seem in our lives. This is an invitation and a challenge to trust that God is up to more than what we can see. I've been a pastor now for nine years. And in those nine years, I can't use these examples probably until I retire, but more often than not, I see the moments where things aren't always what they seem. I hear about them in my office or on the phone about how the promotion, the opportunity that we thought was the best thing in the world turned out to be a horrible misstep along the way. The relationship that we were so hopeful about turned into a horrible heartbreak. Or the things that looked terrible, the heartbreak that we experienced, the relationship that we had put a lot of stock into that ended, broke our heart. And in the moment, it seemed like the worst thing that could have happened. But things are not always what they seem because God is still at work. And to hear of when people meet the person who is actually going to be their spouse and they realize that the moment of heartbreak was not what it seemed, but rather that it was a blessing. For the jobs that are lost or the promotions that are passed over that leaves us discouraged and heartbroken. And then we look back and say, things aren't always what they seem. That was a blessing in disguise. For the ways in which sometimes we hear stories of missionaries and others who seem to do crazy things like leave a job that looked like it was their dream job and the perfect fit and they packed up and moved on to something completely different. And why did they do that? Because things are not always what they seem because God is at work. When we say things are not always what they seem, we don't mean that it's some optical illusion. We don't mean that it's some trick. We mean that God is at work in ways that surprise us and amaze us or we can turn away from it. So people of God, I invite you, I challenge you to view your own life through that lens of faith. Would you say that God is at work in your life? Or right now you say, nope, things are kind of what they seem to be. That's all there is to it. That is simply not true. It is not true that things just are as we see them because God is at work. And so, open your eyes, not your literal eyes, because our eyesight fails us, because our spirits will be willing even when our flesh is weak, but open our eyes of faith to look around and see the ways in which God is at work. And when we do, even when it seems painful, or even when we're trepidatiously hopeful that something good is around the corner, our faith and trust is like that of Abram's to know things are not all as they seem because God is at work doing something bigger and greater and more marvelous than our eyes can see. And this is the lens of faith that we need. And it points us not to ourselves, not to our own strength, but it points us to Jesus. Jesus who is at work. Jesus who is a priest 
in the line of Melchizedek. And as the rest of Hebrews chapter 7 says, starting in verse 22, because of this oath that he has been sworn in as a priest forever, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant, meaning Jesus is where the promises are made for these three baptized today and for all of us. Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant, better promises. Now there have been many of these priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, Jesus has a permanent priesthood because he lives forever, forever and invites us to live forever with him. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He lives to intercede for them, meaning when we approach the throne of grace with confidence, that we call out to God in the name of Jesus, God is up to something. And that the best things that this earth can offer or the worst pain that it can throw our way, well, things aren't always what they seem because God is at work. Amen. Let's pray. God, you are at work, whether we pay attention to it or not. You are at work in our lives. You are at work in our hearts. You are at work in our relationships. You are at work in this world that you so dearly love. And so forgive us for when we try to pay attention to the evil in the world that we think is out there and forsake confronting the evil in our own hearts where we need to ask you, Jesus, to be at work, to guarantee us a better covenant, that we can be washed, washed whiter than snow, as the prophet Isaiah says, though our sins were like scarlet, that we can be cleansed and purified, refreshed and sustained by the living water that is you, Jesus. And that as we sang this morning, come thou fount of every blessing. We pray for Eason and Greta and Case that they may know every blessing of your presence, O oh God. And not just for them as we pray for them today, but for all of us, that we may know that you are at work. And the fact that things aren't always what they seem is in fact a good thing. Give us the faith to see it, the perseverance to hold on to it, and the endurance to suffer it. In your name we pray, amen.